When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Money Pit is presented by the Angie app and Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you take on the projects you want to get done around your Money Pit. I mean, to us, a Money Pit is a term of endearment, right? We love our homes, even though we have to pump money into them now and again. Well, we're going to show you how to pump a little less money and maybe enjoy it a little bit more by coming up with some cool reno ideas. But if you've got a project that's on your to-do list, you can push it right over to ours by reaching out to us. Here's how you do that. You call us at one eight 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 money pit Leave your message. Leave your question. We call you back the next time we're in the studio or post your question to moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, if your family is like most, you probably use the garage as much as your front door for getting in and out of the house. But if that door is old and worn, it could not only be unsafe, but it could also provide easy access for intruders. So we're going to share some tips on how to update that door in just a bit. And your house is your biggest investment, but how much should you set aside for home maintenance? There's a simple formula that's going to help you determine what that is. We're going to share that tip just a bit. And have you priced stainless steel appliances lately? I mean, they are crazy expensive, but we're going to share a DIY way to get that very same look for a lot less. Give us a call. Let us know what you are working on. Whatever it is, we know spring is coming, and you're probably thinking about that yard, and you're thinking about that outdoor entertaining. So let us plan and have fun dreaming up that stuff with you. Give us a call anytime. We're standing by. That number again is 888-MONEY-PIT. That's 888-666-3974. Or post your questions to moneypit.com. So let's get to it. Leslie, who is first? Kelly in South Dakota is on the line and needs help with a cleaning question. Tell us what's going on. Um, we have a stain on our briefly cement. It's like an oil stain, and we just are having a lot of trouble getting that up. Do you have like a, a special formula? Where's the floor, and why do you need to get the oil stain on the cement? Is it in the the garage or where? No, it's in our breezeway that we have in between the. Um, it's an enclosed breezeway. It's kind of decorated, and, you know, we use it. I see. So it's a finished space, yeah. Well, I mean, what I, what I would do is I would consider painting that cement floor. I would use an epoxy paint. 
I would use a two-part epoxy paint, which you mix up and has a, a, a chemical cure. There's going to be a degreaser that's part of the process that preps the surface. And so you clean it with the degreaser first. And I mean, uh -huh. I assume we're talking about, you know, an old stain here, nothing that's like soppy and oily. But you hit it with the degreaser no, no. first, let it dry. And then you use the epoxy paint and uh, you'll get a nice clean finish. And you'll find that it's going to be a lot easier to sweep and, and, and keep nice and tidy, too, with the epoxy paint. Not terribly expensive, not complicated, and it will clearly solve the issue. Will it be slippery if it gets wet? No, absolutely not. Okay. Well, that's All right. great. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Mike in Iowa is on the line with a venting question. How can we help you? Uh, yeah, I was listening to one of your shows earlier, and uh, he was talking about, you know, how the bathroom vents are vented into the attic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. that problem uh, ah. regarding that, you know, like, I mean, it's right into my insulation. It's not vented out by any means. Yeah. Yeah. Very I'm common problem. What's the best, yeah, what's the best way to fix that problem? Okay, so what you want to do is you want to uh, install a duct, uh, a vent duct, and you can use flex duct for this. That will take it from the bath exhaust fan uh, to a discharge point. Now, where the discharge point is is going to be up to you. A lot of options. Uh -huh. uh, typically, you can take that out to the nearest sidewall, like a gable wall, and bring uh -huh. it right through the wall, and you would use a, a, a termination point, a discharge point. It's like a piece of flashing that has like a hood on it and lets the air get out and it snaps shut and keeps it from getting wet. You could also take it and you could drop it into a soffit, but you have to actually bring it through the soffit again into a grid so that it's not obstructed. So you can take the vent and, and drop it down so it, it points towards the vented soffit right, right out. Or you can take it up further and point it right at an existing roof vent. Now, I don't like that as much because I think that the higher you try to lift that air, the less effective it's mm -hmm. going to be. But that is an option. You can bring it straight up and point it out an existing roof vent and let it exhaust there. Uh, over the, you know, my house is about six years old. And I'm wondering, you know, I'm paying uh, pretty high uh, energy bills regarding the heat. Because mm -hmm. what happens is when the insulation gets moist from all that moisture that's being dumped into the attic, it completely cuts down on the R value of the insulation. So you do need to get that vented outside, whether it's through the siding with one of those trap doors that sort of opens out uh, every time you've got it on or through the soffit. But you want to keep it the shortest run so that you can effectively move that air. Now, if you're evaluating what's going on with the insulation up in the attic, you really need to look at how much compression is there what is the condition are you talking about like pink fiberglass bats uh it's got a white fiberglass uh it looks like it's blown in yeah. yeah. You you can add more blown in because you want it to fill up to the, you know, the floor joist when you're looking up in your attic floor. You want it to sort of reach the, you know, the height of that bay. And you can do that with uh -huh. more blown in. Or what you can do is just take rolls of fiberglass and go perpendicular to your floor joist just to sort of make up and add some oomph to the R value. And that will really enhance your insulative value. But you do have to vent that outside. Okay. All right. Thank you. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. 
Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. Jane in Pennsylvania is on the line and needs some help with a bathroom heating project. Well, I have baseboard heat. It's hot water baseboard heat in the bathroom. And the... uh front cover is all rusting out, okay. and I cannot find a cover, and right now I have contact over it, so you oh. don't see the rust. You know, you can actually order covers for those baseboards. There is a company that sells perforated covers that goes on top of them, so it won't reduce the heat terribly much. I think it's called, um, is it Baseboarder? Leslie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, their website is baseboardheatercovers.com, and they sort of just go where, I, I guess they would replace that whole inset that's sort of rusted away on you. You keep your end panels, this piece goes in. Um, it's a pretty easy do-it-yourself you know, installation. You just have to make sure you measure them correctly. They're not going to rust, and because the entire piece is perforated, I think it's going to help you get as much heat out of it as you can. And, um, you know, since yours is mostly covered by the commode anyway, you know, they're not gorgeous. They're not terrible, I don't think, but, I mean, it'll do the job for you. 
All right. Thank you. You're welcome, Jane. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Dave in Ohio who's dealing with some seams in the drywall. Tell us what's going on. Well, uh, my garage, my attached garage is finished, um, but I've noticed that in the wintertime uh, the seams will pop and crack, uh, and then over the summer I, I re-taped and re-spackled and repainted, and that was in May, and then by December they had popped again, and it's okay. getting really frustrating. Um, it's also uninsulated. It's unheated okay. and uninsulated. So I'm trying to figure out what I can do to fix this permanently. Well, the the issue that you're dealing with primarily is that you've got drywall in an unconditioned space. So you're getting a lot of movement throughout the seasons, which is causing those seams to sort of open up and become visible for you. Now, when you're repairing them, are you using traditional drywall tape or are you using that mesh tape? I've been using, I used the mesh tape this last time. Okay. And still it popped open again? It still popped, yes. Did you remove the old tape before you put yes. the mesh tape down? Yes. How many layers of spackle did you put down? After the tape, I believe it was one. Okay. okay. You're supposed to do three. You want to start with one that's, you know, approximately the size of the tape, smooth it out, let it dry, sand it down. Put another layer, get a little bit wider, feather out, let it dry, sand down, and go with your widest, let that dry, sand it, and that really seals the tape in and allows for a smooth transition. I mean, you're dealing with an, you know, a finished garage, but it's still a garage space. You want it to look good, but you're putting an awful lot of work into it. Yeah. Yes. This, this is like Groundhog Day home improvement. Every day you wake up, you got to do it all over, all over again. <laughs> The thing is that when builders construct these spaces, they're not required to put more than one coat of spackle on because it's just for fire resistance. So we end up getting stuck with these houses that have tape that fall off over the years because it just wasn't finished spackled. So the key here is to remove the old loose tape, sand the area so you have good adhesion. You know, not aggressively, but just lightly sand. Use the perforated tape that's like the sticky back perforated tape, kind of looks like netting. Three coats of spackle, prime paint and that should be permanent okay that sounds great well if your family is like ours you probably depend on the garage as your sort of main entry for your house maybe just as much as the front door plus it's really a beautiful thing to look at it's a nice one-step update to your home's exterior it can definitely boost your curb appeal if you've got a nice one but if you don't if the door is old if it's worn it might not only be unsafe but it could also provide easy access for intruders while you're away Yeah, so here's what you need to know about choosing new garage doors. First of all, the garage door designs today, they're amazing. It used to be that you had to choose from heavy wood doors that needed a lot of upkeep to metal doors that were cold and prone to rust. Well, today there's a wide variety of composite and fiberglass doors available that look amazingly like wood, but they need virtually no care at all. Plus, the doors are better insulated and they can keep drafts out of the garage, which is especially nice if you'd like to use that space to work in. But in addition to better doors, we also now have much better door openers. You know, today, the garage door openers are part of fully integrated smart home features. In fact, there's a manufacturer that came out not too long ago with a garage door opener that has an integrated camera, and it's also connected to the Amazon Key program, where delivery people can actually get a one-time code, enter your garage, and leave the packages inside to help get rid of and avoid those package bandits that steal stuff off your porch. 
Yeah, porch pirates, I believe they call them. I mean, it's just a terrible thing, so that's super helpful. And garage door opener security is better than ever now. It used to be that a garage door remote could open a lot of other garage doors in the same neighborhood. Well, today, rolling code technology means that it can never happen. So your garage door is more secure than it ever could be. Yeah, and finally, there are a lot more safety measures built in than ever before Like, for example, there are doors that have hinges that are designed specifically to prevent catching and squishing fingers in the door as it closes. And there are reversing mechanisms that send the door back up if even the slightest obstruction is found or if there is an obstruction at all and it triggers sort of the laser light that goes across the bottom, it won't work. So lots of good reasons to update your garage door and your garage door opener. You're going to improve the safety, you're going to improve the function, and it's going to look a lot better on your house. Now we've got Robin in Oregon who's dealing with some mold issues. Tell us what's going on. In our bathroom, uh, there just seems to be a lot of moisture. I don't know if the exhaust fan is working properly or not. We use a fan, we use the exhaust fan, and we use a dehumidifier. And I noticed on the outside, I guess, outtake vents, there's a whole bunch of black stuff. And then also in our sinks underneath the faucet, there's like mold back in behind that um, hole. So I'm wondering... Is this going to be a health concern, or how do I stop some of this mold? Well, I mean, the solution comes down to managing moisture, and it it sounds like you're doing the right things, but one common mistake that people make with exhaust fans is that they don't leave them on long enough after you take a bath or a shower. They really have to stay on sometimes 15 or 20 minutes to properly dry out the room. Well, I know, well, I can't speak for my husband, but I know that I do just because I've got a fan running, I've got a dehumidifier, and I've, we've also got the um, exhaust fan, and it is the, the biggest one that you can have, and I'm wondering if just because of our moist area, we need to get two of them so it's directly over the shower. I, I don't know, but I'm worried that through the whole pipe that leads to the outside, is that all filled with mold in there if the outside vent shows mold? Well, the vent that's taking the air from the bathroom out, is that what you're seeing on the outside wall? I'm not seeing on the wall, just on the vent itself. You know, where the, I guess where the air goes out to the outside, that whole vent is all moldy looking. Well, you know, a lot of people look at vents that are dirty and call it mold. I think I think it would be unusual for it to be moldy because you'd have to have a pretty strong food source there. And the only thing you're going to have coming out of that vent is a bit of dust which could be a mold source, but it's very unusual for it to uh, to really develop. So I think you might just be seeing a dirty vent. It's much more likely that what you're seeing there is dirt and not mold. But I would say this. If you want to eliminate the possibility of moisture inside the bathroom, what you want to do is you want to make sure that the exhaust fan, the, the bathroom fan, is wired to a humidistat. And if you take a look at the fans that are made by Brone Newtone, they actually have a new one coming out, I know, that has a humidistatic control. And I, and I think they have some others as well. We just saw one uh, last week ago at a major trade show uh, called the International Builder Show that they were uh, releasing for the first time. But if you get one of these fans that's got a humidistatic control in it, then you don't have to worry about whether or not somebody's leaving it on or not. It just stays on until the moisture goes down, then it automatically goes off. So it kind of takes you out of the equation. Okay. And, and your husband. Because he, he could be the problem. <laughs> I don't have to be a grouch and say, turn that back on. Okay. You do not. You do not. <laughs> All right. Well, I will try those. And the concrobium is working great in the shower. So that was an excellent tip from before. Our pleasure. Glad it worked out for you. Robin, thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- 
money pit. Now we've got Nicole in Illinois on the line who needs to fix a crack in a wall. And you're saying it's from an earthquake? When did you have an earthquake in Illinois? Uh, it, well, it was just a really small earthquake. We get, a, we get them just randomly, about one or two a year. Wow. Because we're, we're right on, uh, there's some fault that's down south of us. And now that fault has worked its way up into your wall. So what does it look like? How big of a crack is this that we need to fix? Uh, it's about an 18-inch crack, and then that's going down from the ceiling, and then it uh, goes like it goes diagonally up up the wall, and then hits the ceiling, and then just go, moves horizontally on the ceiling for a couple of inches. So it's 18 inches long altogether? Yeah. How old is the house? Uh, it's not very old, like 99. Okay, so it's, in, it's a drywall crack then? Yes. Uh, many people will simply spackle that, but the problem is that if you spackle that crack, the wall is now always going to move. And the walls always do move, but now that the wall has a crack, the two sides of that are going to move at different rates. And so the crack will reform. The way you stop that from happening is by taping over that crack with drywall tape and then spackling it. Now, now taping with paper drywall tape can be a bit tricky. So there's a product out that's a perforated drywall tape that looks like a netting. It's like a sticky back netting. And that type of perforated tape is the best one to use because you put the tape on first and then you spackle over it. You want to do two or three coats, starting with uh, smaller coats and then working wider as you go. And remember, the thinner the coat, the better. I'd rather you put on more coats than put on too much spackle, which too many people tend to do. Then it kind of gets all gooped up and piled up on your wall and you'll see it forever. So thin coats, two or three thin coats, and that should do it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Don in Pennsylvania is on the line with a lighting question. How can we help you today? Now, we're going to redo our kitchen ceiling this year. And we have okay. six-inch pot lights up in the ceiling. Yeah, the can lights? Yeah. Okay. And we was wondering if we would take them out, if we put the LED lights under the cabinet, if it would give us as much light. No, I, I wouldn't take them out. I would keep them in. Now, you know, one is for area lighting, one's for task lighting. So the LED lights that could go under the edge of the cabinet could give you task-specific lighting for, like, food prep. And they also look darn cool when you when you dim them in a party, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But uh, I would keep the uh, keep the lights in the ceiling. But, by the way, you have a lot of options in, in uh, the type of bulbs that you can put in those ceiling lights. You could actually put in LED bulbs into those ceiling lights lights too and you may find the quality of light is is better than what you have with the incandescents i mean take them out and put like maybe like four inch ones and smaller ones or just leave the six ones in there i would leave them i think that you know i I think you could use the six inch ones that you have i don't think that's part of the project that's going to give you a good return on investment but you know if you change the bulbs out I, i think you'll find that that will make a difference take a look at those phillips bulbs I've got uh, several of those now in my house, including in the kitchen, as can lights. They're LEDs, and we match them up with Lutron dimmers where you can adjust the dimming range. And they're super bright, and they cost a heck of a lot less to run than the incandescents, and they last a lot longer. I mean, we used to replace those incandescents uh, all the time, and these have been, uh, I've never had to replace them, and I think they say they last like over 20 years. Where would you find the Phillips ones at? Uh, you can get them at uh, Home Depot. I know okay. that uh, I've got them there. They're really interesting looking, Jack. They're the ones that look they, they look like yellow. <laughs> they kind of look. I always think they look like uh, bug lights. Okay. But you'll be amazed when the thing comes on how bright it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're super efficient. Well, that's what we're looking for.
Well, guys, when your budget is tight, you might be thinking about cutting home maintenance costs, but it's not a good idea to slack off on taking care of what's probably your biggest investment. But the question is, how much should you spend? Well, we've got a simple trick for that. It's going to help you plan and budget in today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Yeah, let's talk about a realistic budget. Now, for most homes, it's 1% of your home's value. So if you live in a home that's worth $250,000, you should set aside a budget of 2500 for maintenance. Now, the first step is to break it up into its smallest pieces. One idea is to make three lists. Must-dos, should-dos, and then the would-like-to-dos. Now, some jobs you'll need a pro to tackle, while others you can do yourself. So, for example, you'll need a pro for heating and cooling system maintenance, or maybe a plumber to fix a leak, or an electrician to take care of things that don't work. Yeah, and it's also important to focus on the exterior of your home, not only for the curb appeal, but also to protect its structural elements and the energy efficiency of the house. So you immediately want to address water-related home maintenance issues like leaking windows or doors, clogged gutters or grading that keeps that water near the structure. Again, some of that you can do yourselves, but all in all, a 1% budget should cover that. Now, for bigger repairs, like, say, maybe replacing a furnace or an air conditioning system, keep track of the unit's age. As the older it gets, the more likely it is you're going to need to replace it. And just make sure you keep up that 1% rule for maintenance and repairs. And, And this is really important. Just because you didn't use it doesn't mean it becomes like your your holiday bonus, right? You want to carry over Woo-hoo, party money. No party money. You want to carry over that leftover balance until the next year because if you need it for a big repair, it's awfully nice to have it there for those emergencies. Yeah, and it's also nice if you want to do a big project on the road. It's there for you. <laughs> That's right, exactly. And that's today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Earn three percent cash back on online shopping. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Now we've got Maria in Delaware on the line who needs help with a paneling painting project. So you got a new house and it's got a lot of it, huh, Maria? It sure does. Um, you know, about 25 years ago, the paneling was probably very popular, but um, I'm really tired of looking at it. We tried painting one room and, um, you know, we sanded it a little bit, primed it, and painted it. I'm okay with that, but my husband is not because you can still see the grooves through the paint. So we were wondering if there was a way to take care of those grooves, maybe spackling it or whatever, but we didn't want the spackling to later flake out or chip off and and cause more problems than we already have. So hopefully you know of some way that we can do this without just taking all the paneling down. Yeah, anything that you're going to fill in is just going to come out just like you think. So really the best thing is to either sheathe over it with, you know, like a a half-inch drywall or take the paneling off and put drywall on. Okay, a half-inch drywall. So how would that affect the molding that we have? I mean, all that would have to be replaced as well, like around windows, everything? Yeah, you'd have to pull that off. The thing is, what you might want to try first, though, is just removing the paneling and seeing what's underneath it, because there might be a halfway decent wall underneath it. And if if you're lucky enough to find out that the paneling was not glued to those walls, then maybe you can just repair the wall, spackle the nail holes, fix any torn areas or any other damage, and then just paint the walls again. Because 
that paneling was often nailed on with like a very thin ring nail. Yes, it was nailed on. I can see the nails in that. Yeah, it usually pulls off pretty easily. So I would, the first thing I would do is pull that paneling off. Nothing you put over that paneling in terms of there's no, no way to really fill it in because I know what you're asking us to do. But there's no way to do that because it's going to crack and fall out and it's going to look worse than it does now. So if you don't like the painted look and you want to go back to uh, just a clean wall, I would take the paneling down. You know, do it one wall at a time, one area at a time, until you get the hang of it. And this way you can almost not do any molding work whatsoever, because generally that stuff's cut around the molding, or you can cut the paneling really tight to the molding and leave it there. Okay. Thank you both so much for your help. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. All right, we've got Anthony in Tennessee on the line. How can we help you today? Yeah, I got a, a 99 379 Peterbilt, and it's got one bed in it, and we pretty much live in the truck, and we're, we're wanting to turn that one bed into a bunk bed. We tried to widen it and it didn't work out too good. So I got to go lightweight because I'm heavy, and the truck's real heavy. So if I do it in two-by-fours, it's going to be a real heavy, heavy truck. Anthony, you know what comes to mind that I think would be a good solution for you uh, is, a, is a metal bunk bed, an army cot bunk bed. You know, the army cots, if you just Google army cots and bunk beds, you will see a wide variety of metal bunk beds that are stackable. And they certainly have them in light-duty to heavy-duty designs. They're not terribly expensive. I, I see them online for three, four, five hundred dollars $500. And they're not very heavy, and they're super strong, and they can be two full twin sides beds stacked one on top of another. Okay. Well, the bed that's in here, the frame of that bed is part of the truck. So it has to sit on top of that, correct? Yeah, I have to set something into that framework above my bed. Right. So then maybe what you want is just basically one half of that uh, cot-style bunk bed, and then you have to build supports to get it up in the air for the space. So I would take a look okay. at these metal bunk beds online. I think you're going to find your solution there, and it's going to be a lot easier to deal with than trying to frame something that it would. Yeah, because then I could just set it in place and mount it to my bed. Exactly. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. All right, Anthony. Well, I'm glad we helped you out. And i got to say, this is one very unusual question for us, and I'm glad we were able to come up with a solution. Well, stainless steel is still a hugely popular choice for kitchen appliances, but it's also still very expensive. So if your yeah. dishwasher... <laughs> or refrigerator still works, it's great, but you kind of just want a new look, you might want to consider faux stainless steel. Yeah, so what is this stuff? Well, it's it can be a sticky-backed film, although there are magnetic versions of this, that once it's applied, it instantly gives your appliances or any smooth surface the look of stainless steel. You buy it by the roll, and you cut it to fit. The only trick is making sure you get it smooth, something that's a lot easier when the surface is super clean that you're putting on top of it. Yeah, and if you don't think you've got the ability to apply that film straight and smooth, you can also spritz the surface with water. I mean, this is like a TV and theater trick. Whenever we're putting some sort of window gel or diffusion or something up on a big window, we always spray it with water first, put that film up. It kind of holds it in place but still gives you the option to kind of maneuver it. And then it takes a little bit longer to dry, but you definitely get the chance to make sure it's exactly the way you want it. Now, the last step is the best. You can use a heat gun or a hair dryer to dry that film and it's going to tighten up across the entire surface of whatever appliance you're putting this on. But interestingly enough, if you're just like, whoa, stickers not for me, you can find a magnetic sort of plate. So if you've got a dishwasher or a refrigerator that you stick magnets to and it's, you know, brown or white or whatever and you don't like it, 
you can look up the make and model and find you've got the stainless steel that's cut to the right size and it goes pop right onto your existing appliance and it looks awesome. Yeah, the entire project could take you maybe an hour or two, and it costs as little as maybe 20 or 30 bucks. So a lot less expensive than stainless steel appliances, I will tell you that. And it really does spruce up the space. Now we're heading over to Georgia, where JW has a question about heating. What can we do for you? I pay some people to come out and clean my chimneys, and they ask me, what did I want to do? I said, I want to put a wood-burning stove there, but I have a coal-burning chimney, and they say I couldn't do it. And I want to know... Can I put a wood burner where my coal burner is set and use the same chimney? It might be that the chimney is too small for wood burning. Oh. So it may be a physical space issue with the size of the chimney itself, JW. Not um, not so much that you know you can't physically do it, but the the venting may not be correct if the chimney isn't isn't is too small, or the chimney may not be lined. I don't know how old your house is, but it sounds to me like it's a safety issue. Ah, so that'd be better off just to do as they suggested. To cut a hole in the roof to get that special insulated, uh, uh, what is it, aluminum? I rarely agree with chimney sweeps because they, they give people bad advice a lot. But in this case, I tend to agree with them. If you were to start clean and just put in a regular wood-burning stove, you're going to be able to get, first of all, um, a wood-burning stove that's very, very efficient. Uh, as opposed to a fireplace insert, which would be less efficient. And, and you'll have complete control over the venting, and you'll be able to do it in a very, very safe and reliable way. Okay, now... Um, is there a special place where I should put a wood-burning stove? It's a six-room house. You can pretty much put it anywhere you want as long as you do it safely. There are standards that are established for how to install a wood stove in a safe location. It has to do with clearance to combustibles and that sort of thing. Look, JW, it's not a do-it-yourself job if you're asking those kinds of questions. It's definitely not the kind of project you want uh, to, to do on your own. I would get a pro to help. Court wrote in and she says, My fiancé and I bought a fixer-upper in Burlington, Vermont. We love the two-tone kitchen, which looks cozy but also bright, and the darker countertops will be great at hiding dirt once we start having kids. I imagine we'll be in this home for five to ten years, so I'm just worried that if we should need to sell it or move, the two-tone kitchen might look like it was done in 2021 and make the house seem dated. What do you think? The two-tone kitchens are a passing fad, or are they here to stay for a while? Well, first of all, kudos for thinking so far ahead. <laughs> I mean, you got it all planned out out. You're going to have kids. You've got a two-tone kitchen now, and you're wondering if it's going to still be there uh, in 10 years. I think if you have those kids, 10 years of wear and tear in that kitchen is going to answer this question for you, Leslie. I mean, you've seen <laughs> how, how hard kids can be on a kitchen. Yeah, add in a puppy, uh, and you're going to have even more wear and yep, tear. Yeah, exactly. And maybe we're even talking goldfish, and the, the water spills all over the place. I mean, there's going to be a lot of wear and tear. So, look, I think the two-tone kitchens have been around for a long time. I don't think they're a passing fad. I think they're attractive. And I think you'll be okay if yours stays in perfect condition for those 10 years, but I don't think it will. Just based on experience. <laughs> and you know what, Court? You can always stick to the cabinets and the base cabinets being one tone and an island or something being the thing that's different. And then you can paint that down the road if you need to. Well, mice could be using your home as their winter slash spring getaway. But Leslie has some tips to keep those fairy creatures away in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Although I think you're still kind of freaked out about the fact that they could jump three feet. Yeah, I'm telling you, as we write these last words and, you know, sometimes it's stuff that we're super really knowledgeable about. And other times we're, you know, getting more facts about it. And the fact to learn that a mouse can jump three feet just really wigged me out. Because a few years ago, there was uh, a train track project at the end of my block. And there was like tiny little mice that sometimes would walk from the hallway into my bedroom. And I'd be like, oh, they can't climb onto my bed. So I'm okay. 
But no. You're safe, right? They can just jump on your bed. So, yeah, good luck with that, everybody. That's right. <laughs> so, first of all, keep your house tidy. Mice, rats, all things like that love to find their way into a warm home. But if they find food, they're not going to leave when the weather gets warm again. They're going to be like, oh, this is the place to be. It's warm, and I'm eating, and it's great. So, store things like dry food, cereal, pet food. Make sure it's in a sturdy container that they can't chew through. Rodents aren't picky. I mean, we once had a pest control pro tell me he found a rat in a homeowner's garage who were feeding on the grease and drippings among the lava rocks from the grill. I mean, it's so gross. Oh, so gross. So gross. Oh, man. <laughs> Keep your garbage cans covered. Empty indoor containers often. Cut down on those nesting sites around the house. Wood piles, stacks of newspaper, cardboard boxes, all of that they love to nest in. Keep those items off the floor inside your house and away from the foundation outside. Now, you've got to remember mice. I know they have bones. But I swear they don't because they can squeeze through the smallest spaces. I mean, even as tiny as a dime. So seal up any sort of potential opening with steel wool. Pay attention to areas around pipes, vents, ducts, and look for baits that are designed to eliminate rodent infestations. They're going to work well as long as you follow the instructions and keep your kids and pets away from it. And the best way to do that is with a bait station. It's going to let that pest in and then keep everybody else out safely. And then they go in there and get the bait and, you know, you know what happens. So watch out for those leaping mice. I, you know, sweet dreams. Hope you sleep well. <laughs> yeah, think about that when you go to bed this tonight <laughs> you lay your head down on the pillow <laughs> this is the money pit home improvement show coming up next time on the program a garbage disposer is one of those appliances that well once you own it you never want to be without it again but if you don't have one there are a few key features that can make all the difference we'll tell you what those are in the very next edition of the money pit i'm tom kreitler and i'm leslie segretti remember you can do it yourself but you don't have to do it alone Pit.